Hey, what's going on guys? Today on the Blood, Sweat & Gear Coaching Q&A, I'm hanging out with coaches Skip Hill and IFBB Pro Nate Spear. We're gonna start out talking about drinking egg whites. And then after that, we're gonna discuss uh, switching to short esters. Do you need to switch to fast acting gear at the end of your contest prep? We've got a guy who asks, uh, how long can you run 500 tests with 500 Primo? We'll discuss setting up an arm day as in push, pull, legs, arms. Then how much growth hormone should a first timer use? We'll discuss gear use now versus gear used 10 years ago. Plus, we got a bunch of comments about John Jewett's low doses on the previous episode. We're going to address those and a bunch more, guys. And hey, shout out to everybody who's helping to support our programming through Patreon. You guys are helping to make this thing happen. Special shout out to Cade, Red, and Frank, all new Patreon subscribers. And shout out to our great sponsors, truenutrition.com and supplementsource.ca. Appreciate having you guys here. If you're new, hit that subscribe button. We got a ton of content coming out each week to help you get better at the sport that we love. All right, guys, let's get to the show. I have a question. Do you guys do you know of anyone who drinks their eggs or egg whites? I remember this being popular when I was younger. Uh, now I don't hear about it anymore. I've heard only I've heard that only fifty percent of the protein is absorbed uh, when eaten raw versus ninety percent when cooked. Any thoughts on this? Uh, can overcooking meat degrade the protein and make it less absorbable? I like to overcook my fish and make it crispy. Is this a bad idea? So he's got a couple questions in there. Oh, you go, Skip. I don't know about the egg white. Do you? I, the egg white drink, look, I, it was always said, and it was just kind of one of those accepted things. I've never tested it. I've never checked. But drinking the egg whites, you without them being cooked, you're missing little things like biotin and stuff. But I don't know that those are big contributors to growth. What I would think is maybe they just run through you real quick because they're you – know, anytime you drink a food, you, digestion starts in your mouth. So you, the food starts to be broken down as you're chewing, and then, of course, it goes into you know much digestion, much further in depth in your stomach and everything else. But I think if you bypass that, it's almost like chewing and not chewing very well and letting the saliva start to break down your food. If you eat very, very quickly, it can also get in the way of proper or incredibly efficient or optimal digestion. Yeah. I don't think it's a good idea, but here's the thing. I can't quantify it. I can't say, well, yeah, you're not going to grow as much visually. You're not, I, I can't quantify that. If you miss out on some growth, how much are you going to miss out on? Overcooking your food, though, it does heat will degrade protein. How much? I can't say. I like certain things. Funny you said about crispy because I like sometimes I like my protein crispy as well. Sometimes it's just tasting to deal with it. Can I ever say that I've seen anything different in myself or other clients? No, but as a rule, heat will degrade protein if you burn it and that sort of, and then there's the part of carcinogens. If you're grilling and things like that, you know, those, that, that, uh, what is it? Char or whatever it is. That's it's carcinogenic. So you don't want to be, you know, frying your, frying the shit out of your beef and things like that, either from a health standpoint, condition standpoint, growth standpoint. Again, I don't know if you can quantify it. So that's a long answer to be able to say, I'm not sure to what degree, but I personally wouldn't drink egg whites and I would not overcook all my protein. If I overcooked a meal, I wouldn't give it a second thought. It's not like, Oh my God, I'm not going to grow for the next two and a half hours <laughs> until I get my other meal. You know where you see a lot of the liquid egg white drinking is from the companies that make like you know the um, what, what what's what's the companies I'm trying to think of here? There's Lana's. There's another one that's what 
What what name? Flavored the flavored egg whites there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All those uh, companies. I think there's people that are drinking those. I will say this: that I got into a kick with it for a while. Now, from what I understand, those liquid egg whites are pasteurized. So yeah. that pasteurization is a slow cooking process and that they become denatured so that they um, they they aren't the same as drinking uh, liquid just raw. Uh, I haven't right. thought about this in a number of years because I, I don't ask any of my clients to do it and I try to get them to avoid drinking liquid egg whites anymore. Mm-hmm. Here's my experience. I, uh, I used to work for a, a pop company and I was trying to figure out like other protein sources I could just get like more and more calories in. So while I was at the grocery store, I bought one of those liquid egg white cartons and a bagel. And I was like, hey, I could just drink this. This is 50 grams of protein. This is 65 grams of carbs. And I've got some Humalog in my backpack. This is going to work out great. Literally, that was the thought process. And then I was like, damn, I just added a bunch of protein and carbs into my meal plan that were like super easy to, to digest and, you know, to get in and I'm still hungry for my next meal. Um, this is, you know, a long time ago. And, uh, eventually I went to two, two cartons. So it would be four cups a day. And that's when I got the diarrhea. <laughs> like it was bad. It, I figured that was coming. And you know what too? I developed an intolerance <clears throat> to eggs through that process. Um, I, and I, I've had other people that I saw, uh, go down a similar path with it. Oh, somebody's attacking at Nate's house. Yeah. No, the guard it's, it's my duty. stomach. I didn't oh. eat before. That's, I apologize. <laughs> but that's that's the kind of the thing I've seen is that there's there, maybe you can handle some, but I don't necessarily think it's going to be good for your gut. And there's going to be a line where it, you know, you're gonna you're gonna overfill your bucket with, you know, and it's going to become a a bad thing. And I couldn't eat eggs for a while after that. So. Yeah, that was that was my story. You got anything on this one, Nate? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've always heard that that's not always uh, the protein breaks down a little bit, or you miss a little bit of that protein. But I mean, I know Brett Wilkin drinks the egg whites, so he seems to be doing just fine. <laughs> and then, he does seem to be doing okay. Yeah. That's a very good yeah. point. <laughs> but I will say, from I'm sure you guys can relate to this. I don't know if not, but um, like usually, if I have someone with digestion issues, my first thing or one of my food topics would be like egg whites, even if they're cooked. I know a lot of people run into digestion issues there where they don't quite um, handle them as well. So then also on top of that, if you're drinking the egg whites, that's obviously, you know, I, I'm more worried about like digestion issues like you were talking about. Yeah. I think a lot of people run into the gas and, you know, the bloating and that kind of stuff. Um, even with like cooked egg whites, I find sometimes it can cause issues. Um, so that's more what I would be worried about. Um, I can that, see that. that you let an egg white fart go in the gym. you you don't have to claim it but everybody knows that you're the motherfucker that that came from because it's rotten oh yeah rotten you know that one from a mile away yeah and it just doesn't dissipate it like you could do it under a fan hypothetically and it just you think oh it's not bad oh that's bad and then everybody fucking knows that you here just a little bit of it's it's a slight caveat or tangent here but it really became, I'm old enough to know this, it really became popular because of Rocky's dumbass in the movie. No kidding. In right? the 80s, yeah. They started, you know, because it was it was such an alpha thing to do. And, of yeah. course, you know, on paper it looks great because of the protein and everything else. But, you know, he's eating whole eggs like, and eating them like it was nothing. So it was a very, like, oh, yeah, I'm hardcore, you know, before hashtag hardcore was even a thing. <laughs> so 
I think it is certainly faded. It faded into the 90s and stuff like that. And the other argument which somebody might think is, well, what about egg white protein? But it's apples and oranges. It's completely, excuse me, <coughs> different uh, situation. Normally, I mute my mic when I cough. I didn't have time. It is what it is. Just Sorry. came up on you. You didn't, you didn't yeah. know. Snuck up on me. Speaking of the Rocky movie, I actually did that. I drank whole eggs before, and I was Ooh. like, what the mm-hmm. fuck am I doing? That was when yeah. I was like younger. I'm like, yeah, I want to be like Rocky. So I guarantee you there's a bunch of other kids out there that probably did the same thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, Absolutely. so I w- I've tried that too. And then, but I would say for me, the worst was while I was doing this this project I, I had where I was getting the extra protein in at work, um, which was cool because I already had a cooler full of food. And so this was kind of like extra food that I didn't have to carry around. I just, I was on the clock in the grocery store and I literally mm-hmm. would go over and buy it. And I'm like, man, I'm on the clock right now. It's almost like I'm getting paid to bodybuild. Uh, <laughs> they were out of egg whites one time when I had to get the egg beaters instead. You ever and they're yellow, you know? Yep. Yeah, and they're yeah, thicker. Yeah. And oh my god, man, I had to like chug that stuff and then drink something and then chug that stuff. It was it's like shake a shake form in egg whites. <laughs> yeah. It was the worst, man. All right, we got some drug talk here. Um he says, uh, I've got a question for you guys on the next podcast. Well, I suppose it's more of a two part question. Is it necessary to swap from long ester compounds to short esters during the final stage of contest prep? And two is, is it necessary to stop compounds during the final week of a show? I think we got a lot of stuff we can talk about it with this one. Yeah, that's a good one. Actually, so funny story is uh, I think that's a definitely a misconception because actually, so a lot of my preps, I've actually ran test sip right into the show. Yes. Um, have no issues there. And also... Mast Anthony, I've used that before. No issue there. If you're lean, you're lean. You know what I mean? I think, and if right. you're dry, you're dry. Um, so really, and that's also dependent on person too, because I know even Andrew likes to pull his test, whereas I keep it in. You know what I'm saying? So some guys, you know, I pulled my test one year and it looked like garbage. Um, so I'll never do it again. Some guys, they pull their test, they get better. You know, mm-hmm. so I think in that regard, it definitely, you know, it depends on the person. And that's why sometimes too, staying with a coach for a little bit of time, you can play with those things and you can sort of find out. You keep hope coach hopping it's like you know it's hard to figure out if that stuff will work for you or play with different methods right yeah very very good point something i've been doing recently probably within the last six months as i have been and i'm playing it with myself because i don't experiment on clients before i do it myself uh, is it has been to start dropping tests uh and then increasing mastron to see if there might be more of a consistent pattern that it does help with conditioning or being dry, you know, uh, estrogen kickback, all that type of shit. So nothing definitive yet other than to say that I like, so far I've seen no negatives from it, um, which I think is good. But you make a good point, Nate. Everybody is different. Some people can keep the test and some people can't. I'll tell you what I don't like about cutting it back because years ago I did, I would change to the short. It was just something that you kind of did. It was accepted, that sort of thing. What I don't like is you have this overlap, so you have to try to figure out if you just all of a sudden stop taking, you know, and these are arbitrary numbers, but 800 milligrams of SIP and you stop it one week and then you put in 800 milligrams of probe, you're going to have this very big spike, a uh, relatively big spike for testosterone levels. And of course, anytime you have a spike of testosterone, then you're going to have more kickback of, of estrogen as well. So you can see conditions slip or you can see scale weight fluctuations, fullness, everything changes a little bit because you don't, you're not stable. You're not it's not constant. So you, if you're going to switch to short esters, you have to be mindful of the fact that a long ester takes a little bit of time to taper. So what I would do is if you're going to go that route, 
taper it down slowly. So, and, and these are just, this is just an example. I'm not telling you this, how, this is just off the top of my head. If you're at 800, you know, come down to six the next week, come down to five the next week and maybe add in, you know, hundred milligrams of probe three times a week so that you're kind of bringing the long ester. I'm trying to explain this in layman's terms so it's easy to understand. Bringing the long ester blood levels down a little bit or they're starting to come down so that they're not going to compound and continue to go up as the probe hits because as soon as you have a probe injection it hits a lot quicker than a siphonate injection will so then you have this more of this even keel it's not going to be perfectly flat but it's going to be here instead of and then back down and it and not have the estrogen problems and, and that sort of shit the other thing was the last week one thing i want to throw in is this Nine, 99 of 100 times I will have my clients not do any injections after Monday or Tuesday the week prior to the show. And the reason is what I call seepers. And I've talked about it on the, on the podcast before, but it's been a while. Seepers are, when you get real, real lean, a lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people tend to have a situation where the gear will seep out of the muscle and end up between the skin and the muscle. And it creates essentially kind of a cellulitis type of issue where it thickens the skin as an example if you put it in your side delt from your delt to your elbow will be very thick inflamed skin and you lose all not only definition and separation but you just look like someone put somebody's fat arm on your body from the shoulder to the elbow you so obviously don't want to stand. Yeah, you, you don't want to stand on stage with that and it's it's odd thing that I've never been able to explain but it happens more when you're really, really lean. Maybe you know. see it more too. You know what yeah, I mean? Which is a good thing. I thought about that as well, but it's so pronounced yeah. that you would, you might not see it as, it might not be as obvious, but yeah. you, you'd notice it if it was, even if okay. you were still 15 weeks out, I think. Okay. Because it's been, and then it takes, you know, a week to 10 days to clear up, sometimes as long as two weeks to be oh, completely yeah. gone. So you got to be very careful, even, you know, with me stopping them at almost a week out, you got to be careful at two weeks out that you, there, I always say, put them in fresh areas, put them in areas that you may not be hitting normally. Um, yeah. And I don't want to give those, you know, any area that you're, you know, you can put it that you don't normally put it typically will accept the gear a little bit easier than those places that you always bang and you always hit and has more scar tissue. And, you know, I always laugh and say it's kind of like this. And, and this is me explaining it couldn't be it, it may not be like this. You put injections in the same spot all the time. You build up scar tissue. You're kind of creating. This is how I look at it in my mind. Almost these holes in scar tissue that may not necessarily be closed. Maybe they're just a bunch of fucking holes that are dug and you hit that bitch and then the oil doesn't stay in there and it tends to come out easier because when you put them in fresh muscle, rarely do you have any type of issue. If you hit, as an example, I wasn't going to say, but if you hit your lats or a place that you don't normally hit, I rarely will give my, I think I've done five glute shots my whole life because I just don't like putting a needle where I can't see it in case I hit this major nerve. And then, you know, the rest of my leg starts vibrating like I'm ex being electrocuted or something. So that I tend to do that closer to a show because that's fresh meat and it tends to take the gear and tolerate it better. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that happen in the off season and it was visual for like 10 days. Yep. I, I called it a leak. So same idea. <laughs> yep. Exactly. I uh, I would agree, but you with had you it guys. in the off season, not when you were lean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's you're lean individually. Anyway. Well, yeah, but <laughs> I would agree with you guys. I I would say, and I don't go to short esters anymore. I I had in the past. 
Um, one of the things that I have an issue with with short esters is the the logistics of having to do frequent shots with a lot more oil. You know, let's say a guy was going to do 400 Masteron with uh, 600 test, um, 600 test from test probe. That I mean that that's 10 10 cc's logistic. And I'm saying through the week, excuse me. You know, the, 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 that's what you're doing with probe and mast uh, mast probe. That's like 10 cc's versus you could cut that in half literally uh, by using long esters. So I've always felt like if I can use less oil volume, I'm going to be good. And I usually do kind of shy away from too many shots in that last week for, for that reason, you know, for the reason you're talking about, Skip, because I'm, I'm afraid. And I'll tell you what, too, I've had experiences on both sides. I think the worst the worst scenario I had was that I just, and this is the way it always works in the contest prep. You're coming into the show and you have just enough trend and you get like one week out and you're going to, you realize you're like, oh man, I'm going to be like two shots short of what I wanted. And you're like, fuck, how am I going to make this work? I don't want to reduce the amount on each shot because I want to keep the levels up. You know, that's the way you start thinking. And um, so I, I hit up a guy at the gym. And he was like, oh, man, I've got really good trend. I make it myself. He was like, it's really smooth. He was like, I'll, I'll bring you some in. And I trusted the guy. He was an older guy. He'd been around a lot longer than me at the time. And uh, I was like, okay, cool. So he brings me in a syringe that he had filled up with like three cc's of trend. trend. And he hands it to me. And I'm like, all right, thanks, man. And I go home. And uh, I take like one cc. And this is, I think, this is like Wednesday before the show now. And it swelled like yep. so it was one of the worst shots that I have ever had. I took it in the glute because I do feel like if you can take a, a shot somewhere that's not going to be good, you might be able to kind of cover it up with your trunks. If you have the, the placement right, you might be able to. Um, but you know what? Uh, it, it was very noticeable. Like you looked at my glutes and there was just like, you know, and then boom, yeah. there's like that little freaking, it was like a golf ball sitting on the top of my glute. It was very, very noticeable. And I had to keep my trunks pulled down to keep it covered up and you could still see it. But I mean, really, I put all this work into this prep, right? And I looked pretty good. Like I looked really good, you know, the best I possibly could. Would that one shot of trend really have freaking mattered? Right. And so I, I, I just say that I'm really cautious when we get close to a show with doing anything. Like one thing I would disagree with you on, Skip, because uh, you said like we always agree too much. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I it, okay. I might do a fresher muscle. I might use a fresher muscle closer to the show, but I wouldn't do it for the first time in that last week. Oh, I'm, agreed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, good point. You, that's, you a, know, that's a great point. I want to make sure that I already knew how it felt. Like I wouldn't take mm -hmm. any risks. Anything we do, just like, you know, nowadays it's like, I think all three of us um, and Andrew would agree too, that like anything we're doing that last week, we're not guessing on anything. We already have thought this through. We know what's going to happen 100% because we've done it a zillion other times exactly like this. And we've watched the results every time, every time. So anyway, that's my two cents on that one. Well, Let me run. Oh, go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Nick. I was just going to say it's funny that you say that because I've already done, you know, so many preps with like a 12-week stretch and we come off everything. Yeah. And then also I did that guest posing. And, dude, I swear, like, even a week after when I pull everything, I'm only on tests, and I still look just as damn good. Right. Like, just as grainy, yeah. just as hard. So it's like, 
okay, if I pulled my injectables even at 10 days out, I feel pretty confident that it'd still look pretty nasty. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, two things, and I think these are important. I don't want to beat this topic down, but these two things, I made a post-it note and put it up here so I didn't lose it. One, if you do want to cut your testosterone closer, this is the best way to do it. 50-50 probe sipinate and as through throughout the bulk of the prep when you get down and you want to cut you just cut the long ester the long ester will taper more slowly the probe will already be in there and that won't cause the fluctuations it'll be easier to come down and you won't have as much of a if if any at all estrogen kickback that sort of thing you're not gonna have any peaks or any valleys that's number one number two is and I, this is a bigger topic we've touched on it before but i just want to make this point and not discuss it at length because it's there's too much to it but you have to factor in the amount of oil, the volume of oil that you're injecting, not for just for your shots, but that oil has to be metabolized. And the argument, and this is what we were discussing before, is that oil going directly into the muscle, the muscle uses triglyceride and fat as an energy source. That fat has to be used. Now, I can't go and say that it has to be counted as fat that goes into because I you can't count those fat grams from a dietary standpoint, but that shit has to be metabolized at some point. So I'm going to say, I'll go on record as saying this. If you're shooting 20 mil of oil a week versus five mil, I think yeah. you've got an energy problem or a caloric problem that you can't really quantify or measure. And I would bet you that in some way it plays into the energy in as far as muscles remember muscle does not go a lot of people think that muscles only rely on glycogen for and that is not the case when you load foods and everything else your muscles will be sucking up fat triglycerides as well so that has to go somewhere and that has to be metabolized to what degree that that's an hour discussion and debate and we would need a lot more people who are smarter than we need myself Scott. we need dr Scott. yeah exactly or someone along that to be able to try to explain what those differences are well, that's a good point, too, because I know some of the guys at the top level are using SEOs and then you add that in there, too. Yep. You know what I mean? That's a whole you know what I mean? That's a lot of a lot more uh, volume there. Oh, yeah. here's a sweet memory. We've got Chase Irons is watching again. Uh, we got to nice. get Chase on the show, by the way, guys. Let's Chase. Do you, you want to come on the show for the next episode? I, I don't think we have any guests. Oh, lined up. Do we skip? That sounds nasty. Yeah, he says, uh, he says, he says, when I was a kid, my dad made me a shake that was orange juice and raw eggs mixed into it. I barfed. Your dad oh, is awesome because I would have done the same <laughs> shit. <laughs> your kid, drink yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. I might have added your broccoli, but something, just something along that line. put hair in your chest. <laughs> you got to exactly. get those greens in there. <laughs> she All stuck right. it out, though. He's like, you know what? I could give it up. I could give up right now. I could quit, but instead I'm going to stick with it. Yeah. All right. I got one over here. Let me see if I can do a little instant screen cap. Uh, right Chase now. message myself or Scott or Nate uh, after the show or in the next couple of days. I'll, and, I'll message we keep Chase. Saying, okay, yeah. Because we keep saying we want him in, and then we get sidetracked with other things. We're not doing that on purpose. We really do want you on the show. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this is from, uh, Let's see here. Jim McDonald over, and this is from Patreon, by the way. Shout out to everybody who's helping to support the program on Patreon. I appreciate the hell out of you guys. In fact, you are responsible for helping me get this new light. My light died uh, the other day, and so I had to get a new one. Thank you guys for that. Uh, he says, running a cycle of 500 milligrams of test 
sip in 500 Primo. I feel amazing and blood work looks really good other than, other than low HDL. I'm at 16 weeks now and planning to run it until week 26. I'm 47 years old. Am I crazy or is this low dose approach something that can be done uh, for long cycles like this? Who wants it? I'll take it if no one wants Please. it. <laughs> I'll, let you start. I'll let you go. You let me start. Great. I'm Thanks, Nate. No. Um, okay. We, we talked about this prior to pushing the button. The, the low dose is a relative term because immediately the math says a thousand milligram. The one thing I would say is this, and I'm not sticking up for them. I'm not saying it's low dose or high dose because everything is relative. But I always laugh with Primo because it is Primo, okay? Yeah. <laughs> it's 500 milligrams of Primo. It's not 500 milligrams of, you know, injectable Anadrol or, trend. Uh, you know, Trend or, you know, something like that. So I'm not trying, again, I'm not trying to justify it, but at the same time, I don't know that that would be called low dose at 47. I would say this because I never want to tell someone to stay on for 26 weeks because I think that's irresponsible. It's Here's long, the thing, though. I'm going to say it's me. And I would say if I was 47 and my bloods were good and everything looks good, uh, how low is how low is your HDL? Is it nine or is it 39? You know, if your cutoff right. is 50. The big difference there, too. So um, though it, I would rely a lot on my blood work, how I felt, blood pressure, things like that. If you're going to go for 26 weeks and then you're going to come off for, you know, quite a while and you're going to let everything reset. Okay, cool. You don't have a history of keeping your uh, or having your HDL run very, very low for long periods of time. Uh, again, blood pressure and, you know, how high are your RBC, metacrit, hemoglobin, things like that. I would take all that into consideration. I don't think it's an absurdly high amount to run for that long, but there's different factors in there with your age and blood work and how long you've been running gear. And if that's high relative to you or if it's low relative to you and maybe you've run very, very high for five or six years, we don't know those things. So I'm not going to answer it. I'll just say if I saw, if it was me and I saw things like the blood work was good, my blood pressure was relatively good, things like that, I might stay on that cycle if it's going very well and I would extend it, keeping a very, very close eye on everything. And keep in mind that your blood work does not mean that you won't have any problems. It just, it's an indicator or it gives you an idea because obviously if there are blood work issues there, then you got to... Well, you don't have to be. Anybody can be responsible, irresponsible. But you have to take into consideration your blood work and be smart about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, Skip. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to that. And it would be sort of what was he doing before that, right? And how long mm -hmm. has he been? So if it's a guy that maybe started in his 40s, you know, or is it a guy that's been blasting since he was 20, you know, sort right. of that whole thing. Um, that's Because there's a lot of guys that got a late start, et cetera. Um, mm -hmm. But also, like, what was his – uh, previous blast before that did he come out of the blast and this is like a cruise you know what i mean because there's a lot of right. guys doing the test primo thing now um so there's that or is this his big blast if this is his big blast you know what i mean then i would sort of be like okay like we could probably do that with obviously checking the markers blood pressure etc um and then i was at that age too you know to get a ct scan done anything like that to see you know what his heart's doing that kind of stuff other other variables to sort of track those markers Right. Um, but yeah, I don't look at it immediately and say, oh my God, 26 weeks on Primo and tests, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, jumping out of my seat. Um, so it, obviously there's other variables, like you said, but if it was me and I was in his shoes and, you know, before I was on just a basic TRT dose, 
I, I'd say it's not a huge deal. Um, so that's sort of my thought. Oops. <laughs> you just mentioned uh, if his if his health markers look good, CT scan looks good. I had wanted to ask you, Nate. You made that post uh, the other day. You went to Florida and got a, a CT scan. Was it for two hundred dollars cash? What? No, twenty dollars. Twenty dollars. What? I'm yeah. only so it conjured up this image of like this really shifty looking back room where they happen to have a machine (laughs) that like fell off the back of a truck or something. What was that like? What was that experience like? Was it like legit? Yeah. So it was pretty official. So the way that, that, that cost comes down is they're actually getting paid by research. Um, So that way uh, they're getting paid that way. So it sort of supports the fund that way. Um, uh, So yeah, it, it was some of the guys down in Florida that I know that are bodybuilders down there. They found the spot and, sort of passed the word along and um, my dad lives down there anyway. So I was like, okay, you know, I, I'm post-show, you know, I'm getting my blood markers checked out, everything like that, you know, my health, trying to get everything recovery, et cetera. So I figured, you know, now's the time. I've been competing almost 10 years, get that done. And obviously like with the recent stuff going on, you know, yeah. I think more of us are way more aware as far as, okay, we want to be on top of our shit. And like Skip said before, you know, you know, bloods don't tell the whole, whole story. Right. And then obviously, you just get a CWP and it's just the, the basic, you know what I mean? You're not really looking into much further than that. And obviously too, I mean, a CT scan doesn't mean, you know, like my, my score came back zero. So I'm grateful there. So there's no blockage zero, anything like that, but obviously there's always at risk, you know, so you're never, you know, safe. <laughs> so I want to put that out there just because, you know, my CT scan came back good. My bloods are good. doesn't mean I'm going to go blast five grams of gear, <laughs> you know, Yeah. one of those things. So, but yeah, definitely. Highly recommend it to a lot of guys out there. I mean, if anyone wants to message me, I can hook them up with the information. Because I, like in the post, I said it's like you could go down to Florida for plane tickets, two hundred bucks, you know, yeah. and then you get the CT scan for twenty bucks. Because some places it's up to a thousand dollars, you know. Yeah. I mean? And then you have to have a physician prescribe you that CT scan. Like I said in the beginning of the show, it's like, okay, like, have you had a heart attack? No, then they won't give you the, you know what I mean, the prescription to get the CT scan. So. It's, I just yeah. sent you guys what that scan looks like and why it was only twenty dollars. <laughs> it's a drawing of a heart. It's a drawing in, of a heart in crayon. In crayon. <laughs> it looks good. It looks good. <laughs> oh man! All right, let's see what else we got here. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, here we go. Training question. Question for the next show. What is your opinion on a true two-way DC split? And would you suggest someone to do that if he needed overall mass and is young and healthy? Assume that he knows how to train to failure. So I'm not too familiar with like DC training because I've never actually done it. Obviously, I've heard great things about it. But I, I do definitely implicate a lot of the similar approaches as far as like you know, training to failure at a top set, low volume um, with some of my younger guys. But that's honestly, I have to get a feel for these people first to see, like he said, in the end, can they train to failure? Can they take that intensity to the next level? You know, because I would say, I don't even know, like probably 40% of the guys I have can, you know what I mean? So, and and luckily I have a lot of local guys too. So I get to train with them in person here and there. Um, so that really tells me, you know, where, or shows them, you know what I mean? Because it's very hard sometimes video to sort of really get the whole feel for, you know what I mean? If that set is to failure or not. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan for myself. Like last year when I came out of my, my season, 
and I made tremendous progress last year. What I did is I went to a four day uh, uh, training split. So three days off in the week <clears throat> um, and just did like the top set back offset only like maybe, you know, four exercises in each one of those days. So that was the lowest volume I've ever done. Um, a lot of rest, um, food was super high. Um, and then, like I said, the back offset, and then I would do some of the stretching stuff that I, cause I've seen some of the program with the DC stretching and I, I definitely like some of that stuff. Um, but I've never actually followed the plan, but I've definitely used some of the, the basic principles and I, I definitely think it's really good. Um, if you can train to failure, um, and definitely got, I got strong as hell, you know what I mean? And I took, I, one thing I do, I did adapt was I took my rest periods a little longer, um, and then I took some of that, like, so I was trained with like a lot of warm up sets, not a lot, but like I would do maybe 10 reps. So which some people call junk volume, which I think works for myself. Um, but I, it also made me a lot stronger. So I was more focused on, okay, can I get stronger? Um, so I went to those warm up sets, like Dusty would say, like two to four reps or whatever, just to feel to get there, you know, hit that top set, do a back off set and then get out. Um, so definitely, I think, uh, I responded really well. But it's one of those things I didn't think I could do for a very long period of time. Hmm. So I got really, really strong. But then when I went and I did a little cruise phase, I definitely lost that strength that I gained. Um, and I wasn't really able to um, s sustain that, I guess, is what I was saying. So I went back to after a period. Then I went back to my normal, like, five-day, a little bit more volume, maybe six-day. You know what I mean? So I think it's one of the things. It's time and place, knowing when to do it. Um, because it's one of those things that it's hard to – I think sustained for a long period of time. Yeah, in my I agree opinion. With that. yeah, I think so too. And I think that's one of the main mistakes that a lot of people make, not even just with DC training, but with anything. If they, if you get married to a specific protocol and you stay with it too long, you really, I don't, I don't want to say you're going to waste your time, but it may not be as optimal as you think it is. The other part is, you, you know, we all need to enjoy the type of training that we're doing too, because the large bulk of what we're doing is the time that we spend in the gym and it does need to be enjoyable. You just have to balance out. Sometimes I enjoy a process in doing higher volume and it's not as optimal because I can grow on lower volume. And, and most people, especially the older demographic will do that as well. So you got to find some balance there too. But as far as the DC training and whether it'd be a good idea, I think it'd be a great idea. And the cool thing with DC training is if it, if you find that it's beating you up, you can always switch it to the, one of the other DC training schedules as well to, basically give yourself more recovery or not train those muscle groups as frequently. Hmm. Um, but you're not going to know. I mean, I tell this to anybody who asks a question along these lines, or whether it's DC or my protocol or Scott Stevenson or Nate or Scott or anybody else, just give it a shot. I mean, you're not going to know until you do it. You see how you respond, you bury yourself a hundred percent and you, you evaluate how effective you think it is. You just have to make sure that you give yourself enough time to be able to let it work if you get in for a few weeks and you don't like it i would still advise that if you're going to do it give it it you know give it six eight weeks and i would say six is kind of pushing get to eight week mark ten week mark just ride it out do your cruises your blast and really give it time to work because you could come into a situation like this or a, a new training protocol and you could still be overtrained yeah. from the last program protocol point. that you were using yeah. yeah so you know i would coming into something new like this i always think it's a great idea to cruise if not for a week sometimes for two weeks so that you come in and you are fresh and there's really little to no chance that you're in an overtrained state at that point uh insulin sensitivity and everything else i mean all those things factor in but give it a shot run it evaluate it be honest and you know see how it works you know you're mentioning like going into it being overtrained and in the start um 
I, I did a high intensity topic podcast with Scott Stevenson, and we were talking about Mike Menser's training. And he had speculated the possibility that, you know, at the time, everybody was like training like the weeder principles and mm-hmm. training like Arnold, and the volume was crazy, you know, tons of volume. Some of these guys were doing like two a days. Um, there's a lot of training in the gym, hours of it each day. And he said he had speculated that some people who did well with it may have done well with it because that's what they were doing before. And then they went to something that was, you know, a much lower volume program. And just Mm -hmm. simply because it was such a low volume program, their bodies just took off. You know, I, I think that that's a huge factor that I didn't understand for a long time is what's the best training plan really depends on what are you doing now? What are you, what, what are you doing going into that training plan? What have you been doing for the last year? You know, it's a huge factor. Well, and I think it's important too, because think about it. When are you going to change protocols? You're going to change. You're not going to change a training style or protocol if you're progressing well, because it's working so great. Right. And if it's progressing well, you're probably not overtrained because you can only start to be overtrained so long before you're not progressing very well. So anytime or the large majority of the time when you get to the point where you're thinking, oh, I got to change something, it's usually because you don't feel like your progression is there or you're getting bored with it. And what is one of the symptoms of overtraining? You lose a little bit of that kick in the gym and you need a change because it's kind of just bearing on you. You're like, oh, you don't look forward to your workouts as much. See, I need something fresh. So that's one more reason that most people, when they do change, are if not overtrained, they're borderline overtrained. They're sitting there teetering on the edge. Yeah. Well, I will say what Skip was saying about like buying into a new program. I think, you know, you should always give a new program a shot. And I, I always find the worst thing, like you're not going to get worse. You might not progress, right. but you won't get worse. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you can always go back to something different because usually if you're training in, in intense and you're going in the gym, you're killing it, you're following the program, you're not going to go backwards. You know what I mean? You might not progress like you were, but you know what I mean? That way you're still at the same point, you know, you can, and you can go back and reevaluate after those eight weeks you're saying. Yep. Very good point. All right. We got another training question. Why don't I throw that one up next? Cause it sounds like you guys are enjoying the training talk here. Um, <laughs> if I add an arm day onto a push pull leg split, would that arm day incorporate compound movements or just isolation movements? And I feel like we did this question recently. If you I'm, did, I wasn't there. Maybe you were. So I'll answer it. Maybe maybe we did it on another <laughs> show. Maybe we did it on yeah, another or, show. I did miss a couple a month and a, about a month and a half ago, though. I, I think had. Ron and Dusty talked about it. What when he says so? The question I'm, I'm kind of confused. Would that arm day incorporate compound movements or just isolation movements? Yeah. What does it he mean by sense. compound? Do you, do you mean compound arm movements? Yeah, like say close grip bench press I see. or dips, I see. things okay. like that. And I, I can see the logic in what he's saying because. And I've, I'm a broken record when I when I talk about this because I still think that a lot of arm growth, as you advance and you get more advanced as a bodybuilder or someone who trains, a lot of your arm size is not. I mean, obviously, arm size will come from direct arm training, but a lot of it is also coming from as you advance into moving heavier weights that you're pushing for chest and shoulders and pulling for back. I mean, if you're rowing 315, you know, Dusty's row, rowing five plates each side, Nate's rowing retarded, his buys and brachialis are working much harder than someone is pulling, you know, doing rows with 135. I understand that it's relative, but I'm using these numbers to make my point. And it's no, cat. one of the cats got mad and slammed the door, just not having it. Didn't so agree with that. what you said. Yeah, did not agree apparently with my philosophy here. Um, 
so when you when you get into if you're adding the arm arm you're adding tries to push or buys to to pull as an example i assume that's what you, you don't have to do it that way but you can to turn around and come back and do close grip or bench or i'm sorry not close grip or bench close grip bench or dips you know the argument is and it's logical it's sensical is that your chest is already fatigued and your shoulders are already fatigued it's, and obviously your tries are too i would go and tend to go more with maybe not necessarily isolation but not compound movements so as an example someone might say well a skull crusher is an isolation movement. It is because the movement is basically at the elbow. You're not bringing in the shoulder joint and everything else to move it very much anyway. But I kind of look at triceps as, okay, I want to isolate. Press downs are more of an isolation movement to me yeah. than something like skull crushers or overhead, let's say overhead, but double dumbbell extensions on an incline, things like that. To me, they're more mass movements and, and that's you can move more weight. You're probably going to get more size out of a movement like that than you are with a cable press down. Um, I would go with those, those power movements that are still technically isolation movements. And I would not add, unless I was going to finish, maybe you could finish your tricep portion of your workout with dips just to kind of finish them off. But I would not focus on compound movements. And just to give the listeners an idea if they're thinking, well, okay, that's a compound movement. He mentioned two compound movements for triceps, but what about biceps? One of the exercises I think is so overlooked for biceps as a compound movement is close grip or relatively close, close grip, under grip, uh, lat pulls. Oh, pulling okay. more to the chin or to the to the mouth like pull downs do you mean yep yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah under grip and it, there's a different way to do them and i obviously can't i can't do it right now to make but you're more upright and you're pulling more to your mouth or nose than you are to the top of your chest yeah. it's not a curl but it's in closer so that you're when you're pulling with your back you're pulling from the elbows when you're pulling from your bice or pulling with your biceps or want more focus on the bicep, you tend to focus on pulling more from the hand. And that can't be, I mean, that's the best way I can explain it, but so I can't the general do it. Public, the way they do a pull down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The average person <laughs> jumping up and doing a pull down is very, very true. Yeah. And a chin too. The thing yeah, is, yeah, is yeah. You know, a saying, lot of, yeah. a lot of guys can't do chins uh, or too many chins that don't look like shit or without making them look yeah. like kipping, like we're cross arms up there at 200. I call him an arm up. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly. That's like, that's like old school Arnold shit. That's how you, I remember, because I think in the Arnold Encyclopedia, they talk about training their arms like that too. Yep. Like and it would be a finisher. It wouldn't be something yeah. that you would focus on, you know, out of the gate, but it would be a finisher once your bias are shot from isolation movements to kind of finish yeah. off with. But not easy to do after you've already finished back training yeah. as well, but it, it'll hit them. It'll fire them up. For, for me personally, I'm a big fan of customizing and push-pull legs. So a lot of guys will do a push-pull legs in an arm day, you know what I mean, and do a rotation like that. Um, and also for me, I, I've never been a fan of uh, training my my buys at the end of back. Um, it just seems like for me, back, it's a lot of volume, a lot of work. And then the last thing I want to do is go train arms at the end or buys. There's least, not much I mean? left there. Yeah, There's yeah, not much so left, yeah. I, I've always kept either my arms separate or done them on like a chest or a delt day because there's a little bit less, uh, you know, work being involved in my opinion. Um, so I've always responded pretty well that way um, or having a separate arm day. And I feel like a lot of top pros, same idea. You know what I mean? I think, um, cause you'll get some of those 
guys like I know like Lane Norton I think was like, Oh, you don't need an arm day, but I'm like, Well, look at your arms. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know He's what a too smart guy, don't get me wrong. I, something yeah, like yeah, that, it it gives you a little bit of a break too. If you're really getting beat up from push pull legs, arms is not gonna be as taxing in the central nervous system as going back to doing, you know, training back again or training legs again. It gives you that and that's one of the benefits I think that we had in the I like the way Scott calls it the pro split. Everybody says yeah. the bro split. He says the pro split. And I maybe other people say that too. But with the pro split, you had those heavy hard days. You had your chest day. You had your back day. You had your leg day. But then you had like your shoulder day. You had your arm day. And how much how much are you really taxing yourself on your arm day or your shoulder day? Like those are you go into the gym knowing like, okay, today's gonna be a little bit easier. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Okay, so here's actually my go-to usually fallback split. Actually, you'll like so it's a it's sort of like a pro split. It's a little different though. So this is the Nate split. No, I'm just gonna. <laughs> so so you're gonna do uh, chest, uh, buys and tries one day. And then you're gonna do back, hamstrings, and then you're gonna do chest, buys and tries again. So Wait a second. For the arms. Wait, chest and buys and tries are together. That's one day. Yep. Okay, yep. and then back Same and hands. No, so back by itself. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And then hamstrings by itself, and then quads by itself. So it's a five-day training split. Okay. So the chest, chest, and the shoulders both have buys and tries in them. And okay. you got one back day, and then two leg yeah. days. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. So I love that. That's like my go-to. My that I keep going back to when I'm like sort of like you know when I try some I'll I'll change my training around, but then I always go back to that. So. What are you? absolutely the strongest on like what's your like i'm gonna tear this up today exercise or body oh, part definitely definitely push chest yeah last year i hit like 405 for eight incline so no kidding hopefully getting back there soon yeah and that's with control too you're not just like yeah, yeah off the pretty, pretty clean yeah and what's what would be the opposite what's like the thing you struggle with the most oh man well i go much lighter on back stuff now just because i find hmm. my back responds so much better so I used to be able to pull like 405 for reps, but now like for rows, but now I do like two plates and a quarter and get so much more out of it. So hmm. I might've actually gotten weaker over time just from doing that training, but my back responded much better. You know what I mean? Interesting. Huh. It's like Dusty was saying that he'll use. Yeah, the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen his? Well, yeah. But have you seen his like, leg training? Sling it. Yeah, have you seen his leg oh, training though? Yeah. Like he'll take oh, yeah. like five Very plates on the Smith machine and be doing like just yeah, perfect slow like runs. Runners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very opposite. Like you see that, and then you see yeah, his back training, works, yeah. and you're like, yeah, is this yeah. the same guy? <laughs> um, Chase Irons added too. He said, uh, "I just got a CT CT scan wow. here in Chicago for forty nine dollars." Hmm, so awesome. deals over there. I'm going to Chicago later this year. I should maybe look into that. That'd be cool. <laughs> Uh, we had, you know, we had a comment here that I'll, I'll get back to that from JJ. Uh, let me see if we had anything else that we want to tackle real quick, though. You know, I think I had one more from Patreon, so I uh, better grab that one. Um, okay, growth hormone question. And it is from Michael. He says, recently ordered some HGH and had a couple questions as to how uh, I should start. Should I go ahead and start at two IU a day or start with one? 
Also, I work a shitty swing shift schedule, so my sleep and eating is all over the place. So what time should I dose? If Michael is listening, he needs to hurry up and tell us how old he is because I think age plays into first I would never is. I would never take tell a guy to do one IU. I mean, I don't care if it's zeros. I'm not going to tell you to do one IU. Only because here's my philosophy on this. If you've never used it before, you got to use enough so that you can run it for a little while to actually accurately assess whether you're responding to it or not. I, I would hate to have you do w one or even two and then you go, eh, I don't know. I took it for six months. I can't really tell. At least if the dose, I'm not telling you to, you know, 10 IU a day either, but find a, a kind of, you know, you can always pull back if you find that you have too much water retention or you're having a lot of, you know, nerve issue, your arms are falling asleep. I mean, I had <laughs> growth one time where my, from the, both sides, from the shoulder down to my hand, I'd have to get up in the middle of the night and walk around because just moving them didn't and after oh, i yeah. did that two or three times a night i'm like fuck this i just can't tell you and i won't say specifically what it is but most people know because it is stronger and i'm like i'm not fucking doing that i have one now and i keep it on reserve it's only if i run out of other the other shit that i'm using am i going to use it so it it just depends on how you respond but if you're older you're going to tend to i i tell the story all the time but i ran it in the early 2000s and i was not terribly impressed i ran it a few times and then i put it off for 10 12 years came back to it and was like oh shit this is what yeah. everybody's talking about night and day and of course i was 35 maybe 34 versus 45 47 48 48 something like that i can't i don't know but it was in there somewhere big huge difference you got a point run enough to to know that it's doing what you want it to do what would what would you say it'd be a good dose then for something like that well assuming that he's got you know generics and i think generics are great i think generics are so good that he did I say was, generic. Somebody asked okay, him some cool. questions later, and he said generic. Okay, cool. Um, I'm just – it's an arbitrary number. If it were me and I was him and he was roughly, say, in his 40s, which would be younger than me right now, I'd probably run four. Yeah, I think that's, that's a pretty – yeah, it's a pretty good, you know, five, six days a week, something like that. I might even run it every day for, you know, 10, 12 days and then back off to five days a week, something along that line. But that's what I would do if it were me. Well, it's like you, it's like you said. I'd rather have someone run four I use for – you know, months on end, then, you know, run eight oh, and only be here. able to do it for two months personally. Yeah, right. um, I'd rather have the consistency of it. Um, and then also that too, you know, in my opinion, you know, right now, just being like in active in the scene is there's like a lot of fake shit out there right now. So I, I'd recommend to guys getting their IGF tested too, to make sure, you know what I mean? Yep. That they actually spend their money on quality shit. Cause even pharma shit, there's pharma shit out there. That's fake. Um, yep. So definitely you want to, you want to, you don't want to keep going back and, you know, cause I've done the same, I've done that before and I'm like kicking myself in the ass. Um, but yeah, four to six is usually sort of my happy, happy medium. I've gone higher and honestly didn't really notice much. Um, yeah. so last thing you want to do is, you know, keep spending more money, you know, cause it's obviously expensive. So. Right. He's with us. He's 35 skip. Okay. Um, a little bit different than 45, you know, 47, 48. I mean, that's when I, Personally, it was just my experience. I didn't respond terribly well to it, but that doesn't mean that somebody else won't. So I, I, I'm with Nate. I mean, I said four. He said six. That four to six is good. If you did, if you did happen to start at six and you found that the water retention was too high, or you did have that, you know, a lot of your arms falling asleep. I mean, if your hand falls asleep within three minutes while you're holding onto the steering wheel, you know, that's an indicator that it might be a little high. But if you can tolerate those sides and it's not that big of a deal to you, cool. But blood pressure, things like that, also test. Your, um, you know, keep track of your blood glucose levels yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. I don't like six for the same reason I don't like four. 
because <laughs> the vials are usually generics. They're 10. So I want to be able to just easy uh, yeah, split it. Split oh, it. that's funny. I didn't think about that. I think what it is is um, I just use so much that it doesn't really matter what when I run out in a bottle, I have to make another one anyway, like every fucking day or two. I don't know. Not so much, but you know what I mean. Well, honestly, I mean, I get your point, too, because honestly, at generics, if you're getting a decent price and you know it's legit, then I mean, it's hard to say. You know, because you're not what quite risking your money if you're doing pharma. Like that's when you're like a little bit more yeah. particular. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, oh exactly. shit! I just, <laughs> I just spilled. I dropped one. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I took a. I, lick, I, lick I, <laughs> I ended up taking a lot of humatrope for a little while, and I can nice. definitely tell a difference when I take yeah, that. I can like, too. Yeah. yeah. It's funny when you drop a vial too, because even if it doesn't break, <clears throat> you know that to some degree, it has degraded because you dropped it and slammed it. Yeah. If you're supposed yeah. to trickle the water down the side, yeah, and yeah. you drop it, you're like, uh, but then throwing it, you know, you're like, okay, it's only going to work 20% as well, but I'm not throwing that bitch in the trash. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to use it anyway, just to make sure. It's like when you're handling it, you're like so careful. <laughs> oh, I was going to ask for that one company. Does it have two initials? The one that you're talking about that makes your shit on them? Uh... I'll just say it flat out because it's not bad. It's um because it's not specific TV. to any person. <clears throat> Excuse me, uh, Metatrope. Oh okay. God damn! Oh Jesus! Yeah. I mean, it just it was brutal. It's like you can't and, do and it. I mean, yeah. No, and and I was ridiculously lean, and I had lost like so much detail. And I I mean, obviously, I could oh, yeah. stop it, and when I did, it was there. Yeah. yeah. But t because I'm older, I don't want to hold that much water. Oh, Fuck that. I dude, I had that happen. Heavier. I had that happen for me. I switched over yep. to uh, Nords, and like I got all watery, but it was like I got almost got like scared. You know what I mean? I was like, oh shit, yeah. I look like more. You know what I mean? But then yeah, I pulled yeah. it, and like immediately was like, you know. Yeah. Oh, it came off pretty quick. <laughs> no hey, question. check this out. I, there was a comment I wanted to pull up off of Facebook. So I went to Facebook first thing out of the group. By the way, if you're not part of the group, join us over at Think Big Bodybuilding Media on Facebook. This picture was the first thing I saw. Check this out. Rachel Berry. Yep. She got six. Freaking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. She looks fantastic, make, too. I think they're going to make an Olympia run, actually, on points. <clears throat> Hell, yeah. She got, oh, yeah. She got cool. fifth last show. Yeah. Congrats so to both of them. Going. Yeah, that's awesome. I was going to look up, uh, so we we had this conversation over in the group, and I, I, w I wanted to get your guys' input on this. Let me see if I can find this. Uh, Not the uh, one about short shorts, is it? <laughs> no, no. Was there one about short shorts? Yeah, there's, these guys were talking about wearing, like, short shorts to, so they have better leg progress because they could see their chicken legs. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> that was what Arnold said. I saw that. Yeah, because yeah. Arnold had said he wore short shorts. Yes. Yeah, for he wore shorts so you could see his calves yeah. all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um so we were talking we did that uh that podcast with uh John Jewett, which by the way, we got a lot of good feedback. We appreciate all you guys watching the show and stuff. And um I got talking to Casey Reed and he had been uh, he is the moderator or on a on a very popular board uh where he gets to see he's seen kind of like a cross section of gear users for a really long time now. So uh, I asked him what he thought about gear use now versus, say, 10 years ago. Because he's um, older, right? Isn't he from Michigan? He's roughly he's from, my age. Ohio, maybe? He's from uh, uh, Illinois. He's from, like, okay. yeah, Illinois. In fact, him and Scott knew each other from Illinois, like, years back. Um, but I asked him, I, I, let's see, where was this? Uh, 
I, yeah, I asked him, a, basically, I already said with the question, but here's what he said, and I figured I'd share it with you guys because I thought it was kind of cool. Um, he says, I'd say the doses are essentially the same. Uh, the big change is the use of large amounts of peptides. We are seeing IGF being used in conjunction with insulin and GH, along with other peptides. And who really knows what the ramifications of some of these peptides are? Uh, but I will add that although the doses are about the same, we are starting to see at least the concern of going uh, any higher and the thought of going lower and working with other aspects of the game like training, etc. I'm seeing more concern about what they are taking and what they can do to get results at lower doses. I figured I'd just throw that up there and uh, talk. What was the question though? He's comparing now I said, to uh, when? Let's see. I said, um, Casey, you had uh, an up. You've had an up close look at how the community has used steroids over the past twenty years plus. Okay. And then I said, uh, how would you compare current gear use to that of ten years back? Okay. All right. Gotcha. So ten can, years. Can you say the? Can you say the forum he's a part of? Or is that? No. I don't know if he'd want that. Okay. Only yeah. because there's some forums where uh, it's more like I've I've seen some of these forums and it's more like some dumbasses that run some crazy shit. And honestly, in my opinion, I don't really know a ton of pros that are using peptoids personally, but I don't yeah. know. Maybe they're just not telling me. I agree with that. I mean, I don't, well. use, I, I don't, I don't use, I don't use peptides. I mean, yeah, I okay. use growth and I use insulin um, to be open and honest. And, you know, I, I feel like my, my doses are pretty moderate. I mean, as far as they go, I mean, I don't think my trends ever been over 500 um, in, in contest prep. My halo has never been over 20. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and in the off season, I, I really rely on the high food and the hard training. I mean, I usually have two compounds in tests in like an EQ NP, I, NPP. I have done like trend in the off season for short periods of time. Um, not super high dose, like 300, because you don't really need as much, I feel like as contest prep. Um, but for me, like, I don't really see how that's too much different um, from years past. And like I said, I know a lot of pros and talk with a lot of guys and I don't really know too many people doing peptides or even uh, like real, what is it called? I can't remember the name for it, but I know some people talk about IGF. Like, you know, I'm talking about the really expensive shit. Increlax. I think, yeah, yeah. But I don't know many guys over here getting that shit because no. it's fucking expensive. As, like you think GH is expensive. Yeah. <laughs> that shit's like way expensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know that I would. You know, here's the thing. I mean, it's his perspective, and I don't. I respect right. that. Of course, and I'm getting yep. into my bag of nuts. Sorry about that. Um, so, I mean, I'm not necessarily disagreeing. I just feel like I don't. I don't know. I I I think that it's a little bit more responsible than it was. That part I agree with. People are starting. They're looking more at their health. I mean, yeah, you said ten years ago. I think blood work is so. Uh, it's just the accepted norm. People are doing it yeah. and they're taking a lot more responsibility for their health than they were 10, 15 years ago. Um, but you know, the other thing is, is because I've been around for so long, I had to actually think I'm like 10 years ago, holy shit, that was only 2012. You know, you go back to 2002. Oh shit. 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, so I, I agree with Nate as far as peptides. I haven't seen, I haven't seen a lot of, the I did too. Level. I, I yeah, just it, thought maybe I wasn't paying enough attention because I no, I didn't see a lot of peptides either. Stuff, I, I think that's the people climbing. And I think the people who are climbing, the younger generation or the ones that just haven't spent a lot of time around, I think they naturally assume that the pros are using a lot of peptides. And I have not seen that come to fruition myself personally. So Nate saying that makes me feel a little bit better about it that I'm not missing the boat on something or something's in front of my face and I don't see it. 
but at 10 years, I mean, I, you know, that one's a little harder to say. That's why I'm glad that you specified 10 years, because if you go back 20 or even 30, I mean, you go back into the late 80s and early 90s. I don't think the gear use really took off until about. And look, if someone says, no, it was 92 instead of 95, I'm, I'm thinking mid 90s. People started really getting and it's no shocker that. You know, that the Internet started to take off in the late 90s. Maybe that played a part. But people started getting really, really aggressive in the mid mid to late 90s, I think, with gear usage. Because prior to that, I don't think it was off. The worst thing they did was they were unknowingly taking very dangerous, real GH from cadavers, which was retardedly expensive. And if you could get your hands on synthetic, like uh, Genentech's Protropin, um, you were paying through the ass for that, too. Just not as bad as real gh from cadavers so that part of the game has changed quite a bit too but that's going back further than 10 years yeah yeah i kind of like i said i kind of felt the same way too um i got a comment here that i thought was pretty interesting if i could find it while you're finding it oh you already found it okay what you got there skip check these out i'm a pistachio freak but these salt and vinegar flavored pistachios are like fucking crack that sounds yeah. good. They, yeah. Oh my god, it does sound good. good. Holy shit! They, have, have you seen those blueberry flavored almonds? Ooh, no. Yeah. Someone oh. said they're really good. I'm like, I don't know if I dare try them, but if I'm gonna put nuts in my mouth, they're gonna be the really <laughs> good ones. <laughs> yeah. I'm not just, just putting clip. From I'm not the beginning just putting. Any, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't just put any nuts in my mouth. I'm very specific. All right, Jojo says uh, Fuad made a suggestion to help from increased deaths in bodybuilding by making uh, weight classes for all the heights and get rid of classic in 212. Any thoughts? I actually yeah. listened to this. He actually, he sort of had a good point, actually. Like, so his point was you get rid of those and then let's say like you had open bodybuilding and then you had 510 was, I'm just guessing off the top of my head, like 240, right? So it's almost like you're going back to like what the 90s, you know, where the guys were maybe like 230, 240, um, but, uh, I just don't know. Cause it's hard because bodybuilding, the people that do bodybuilding, they want more, right? It's always about progress. Like I'm never big enough. Like I'll admit it. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I'm sure mostly pros, you know, still want to be bigger. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's, I think that's why we're in bodybuilding. <laughs> yeah. What would be big enough for you, Nate? Like put enough, if we, if we were to like, you know, lightheartedly put a number on it, what would be, what would be big enough for Nate? Uh, probably 260 stage weight is what I'm thinking. Stage weight. And where were you uh, in the last show? 245. That's so. doable. I see that. I see that. Yeah, as yeah. Get to work, son. What are you waiting for? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, like you've got all day or something, you know, Jesus, doing podcasts or anything else when you could be training. <laughs> I heard. Right. Uh, I'm I just heard. waiting to make a joke about having two nuts on my chest. I'm just, I was waiting <laughs> for someone to notice. And no one noticed. So I didn't even hear the question, which is pretty sad because I'm in my yeah. own little fucking world over here trying to entertain everybody, including myself. Dave Crossland said something. I can't remember if it was his idea, but he said, "What if, I think it was him, though. Uh, what if we had health markers as the like, like, and this goes beyond bodybuilding. Like, what about the Olympics? Because we we're. Yeah, it was Dave. Uh, we're talking about like you know, the the how much of a sham drug testing really is in the Olympics, and it, it's pretty BSy, and there's a lot of weird yeah. corruption. But what if you know if the goal is that people need to be healthy, then what if we had health marker tests, and in order to compete, 
You had to be healthy. Well, here's the thing, actually, when you because sometimes people have brought this up before where they say, okay, to compete, you know, you have to get your bloods done or maybe a CT scan or whatever. We'll say the problem is, and I hate to use him as an example, but Sean Roden wasn't even actively competing, but he was still chasing, right? Yeah. Cedric McMillan was in his offseason. I don't know if he was had a show picked out or anything, but they both had heart issues. So the IFBB probably would have said, hey, you can't compete. You know what I mean? But yeah. they're still... You know what I mean? Sean Roden already said he couldn't compete, but he was still, you know what I mean, going after it. He was still 300 pounds at 44, 46, mm. whatever he was. So are those people still going to, you know, listen to the IPB if they say, hey, you're not healthy, you can't compete? I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either, but I, I just thought it was yeah. an interesting thing to consider. And, it, and I think that that would open up, like, imagine the Olympics. And I know I'm kind of like – merging topics here but imagine if like olympic athletes could use a little bit of winstrel or really as much winstrel yeah. as they wanted as long as everything looked okay you know curling would yeah, be so never... awesome <laughs> i've had uh, strong opinions on this that i could go forever about keep it very very short no one gives a shit about anybody's health they don't yeah. the, the purest nobody the only thing they care about is whether someone is cheating it's then mm. that's the purest it's no different than the old white guys in baseball who talk down about uh barry bonds or they're not they don't want people in the hall of fame um you know like mcguire and them because they cheated it's this purest mentality it's it's just not it's not acceptable yet society as a whole cheats on their spouses their taxes they do everything they can whoa, to whoa, not whoa. get usually don't well, talk you about know, taxes. There yeah. could be there could be somebody you know, someone's monitor watching. <laughs> exactly. We're good. Yeah, the the I R S. Um, there's it's just to me it's just kind of this this ridiculous. No one cares about anybody's health. They want to be entertained. They want to see who. Here, if they would just shut up and let everything, in a sense, let everything be allowed and not make no one would know anyway, and no one would care. It's and it's when it's brought up and when it's well, he's hit so many home runs, and that's the only reason. And then it becomes ah, this purest yeah. argument. I just don't think anybody truly gives a shit about health, so I don't think it would ever come to that. But going back to uh, Alfonso's question is more about cardio. Um, you know, not doing cardio. What? He's asking about, am I reading off of the wrong one? I don't know what you're reading. We're not. Okay, I'm reading. Well, I've got a feed for the first time. I've got a feed on my right side of my. Oh, you've had that every episode. Well, listen, throwing me under the bus like that is not very cool. I have never seen a list of these questions on this side before. They usually pop up one at a time if you put them up. Yeah, that's me going to the feed and pulling them up from the feed. From the feed, I am, I am embarrassed. No, right you didn't. Now. Okay, you can't. I, I think the software. So dark. <laughs> you have to. You have to click on something to see it, and there, there's no. There, like most people don't know it's there. So I'm, I'm messing with you mostly here. So no, that's cool. I, I'm laughing because Nate's being photobombed. Did Alfonso? <laughs> did he did have a question there? And I thought that that's what I wasn't. I was going along with our conversation, and then I looked and I was reading it. And I thought you were coming off of that. So my, my no, no, no. We were, we were talking. I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, what he said. This was. This is what we're going with. He said uh, Fuad made a suggestion to help uh, from increased deaths in bodybuilding by making weight classes for all heights and get rid of classic in 212. Your thoughts? So for open, he's saying there's a weight limit, Skip. 
Okay, a weight limit for each class. Each height. Or each for height. Each height. I mean, the it, open, look, open if guys you can, can put only limitations get so big. on it. Yeah, you're you're gonna put. Yeah. Thing is, is the nature of bodybuilding. Bodybuilding at its core is freaky and mutant, and it's going to continue to progress. And we've already progressed a lot of times, arguably past the aesthetic pleasing look. That's why classic bodybuilding has become a division to kind of try to go back to that and have that look as well. You have to, and I'm not as big of a fan of the freaky component of it, the see how big you can get no matter what it looks like mentality. But I know that that's what feeds bodybuilding. So I respect that. I think that that would hurt body. I mean, in a sense, that's what they've already done. They've already done that with classic. They, they have put limitations, maybe at least from the weight class standpoint, and you have to be under certain costs. So, I don't like the idea that open is open. You got to have a freak show because that that's just uh, fortunately or unfortunately that's bodybuilding. And you know, I don't, will it curb drug use? God damn. We're all so extreme when it comes to things like this, we're going to do everything we can to do it, you know, to, to, we're going to be extreme. I don't yeah. think it's going to do anything. Yeah. Yeah, I can see. I can see your perspective. Chase Irons has something to throw in. He says, uh, "What about this? They should make it a requirement that everyone has to turn in monthly blood work. Allow for three misses. Nobody gets to qual- disqualified for poor bloods. But it's about making the athlete aware of what his blood looks like. I think if they were to do that, and there were issues, then yes. I think that the IFBB would then possibly be responsible. Yeah, I responsible. like the idea, but that's what I'm saying. I almost feel like because I've been close to people in situations where somebody in the IFBB has passed and then they've been waiting to hear from people in the IFBB. And then sometimes situations have happened where they just have avoided talking about it. Like they, they avoid the person that they, that thought they were going to get talked to. Like nobody says anything. They're just kind of ignored. And yeah, I think yeah. that sometimes it's like they just need to kind of pretend that they're not. They distance themselves from that stuff. Yeah. Well, then you just put an age limitation on it, too, because as a rule, maybe not as a rule, but the large majority of the time, the older you get, the less the body can tolerate gear use and the, the blood viscosity goes up and there's more yeah. issues there. It. I, I'm not knocking. Look. I think something has to happen. Something has to happen to help the situation at the same, <laughs> at the same time. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, at the same time though, it's, I don't know what that answer is. And, and honestly, I'm kind of glad that I don't have to come up with that answer because I don't know what the fuck the yeah. answer is. I don't know if there is one. I mean, yeah. ultimately it just comes back to, I don't even want to say personal responsibility because then we argue what is responsible, but what, what is responsible and what isn't. And that takes the, away the individual component of making your own decisions for yourself. There's nothing I can't stand more than when someone dies and they're judged for being irresponsible. Well, their kids are draped over their, their coffin and they're crying. Well, that's a fucking no brainer. Anybody who passes away. I mean, do we, do you jump out of a plane and your parachute doesn't open and he, the guy's irresponsible for jumping out of a plane? There are things that we do in life that have these risks attached to them. People can be responsible, people can be irresponsible, but why judge people for making those decisions individually and on their own for whatever reason? But that's our society. We judge everybody on everything and it sucks really bad. 
Matter of fact, I just got into it with some clown on the, I won't say his name, some clown on the internet who, I, bumptious, he's the definition of bumptious. Everything he says, he thinks he has 10 times the crowd and the audience that he does because everything he says is just so important. And he's going on and on about this stuff too. And it's just an opinion. It's an opinion on the internet. Why it bothers me some days, it, it, it usually doesn't. Some days it just irritates the shit out of me. So we got into a back and forth about it. And it just, that's just how it is. People opine about everything. They just have to judge and they have to get their opinion out there because it's just so valuable. Everybody, everybody needs to hear what I have to say. I got another topic for you guys. Kind of related, <clears throat> semi related. Uh, so I mentioned that we recorded with John Jewett. And this is a little, our last little topic of the night, kind of a wrap up of the last episode. So I got two comments that I thought we could discuss. One of them was, uh, you know, John's using these lower doses, but he didn't use those lower doses to build that level of muscle. That was the first comment. The other comment was, uh, but John's a 212 competitor. I'm a tall guy. I can't even relate to this. And go. Yeah, you're two, you're not 212. You're bigger than 212, but you'll never be as big as John. I know that's a big thing to say, but why would you slam someone for Maybe not slam him, but judge him for being 212. The guy is fucking huge. He's grown a ridiculous amount of money or muscle and money, too. Uh, why? Why come at it from that? Well, I don't know if it was a slam as much as here's the thing. I think that when we're challenged, the first thing we do is we look at how we are different. And I can tell you, here's my my example. When I first got in uh, to recovery and I sat down at a 12-step table, what the, the advice that was given to me was, in, you know, if you look around the room, you can find a lot of differences between you and the other people sitting at these tables. But try to not focus on those differences. Try to focus on the similarities. Okay. And so I think it speaks as being, it's it's being kind of like not open to hearing it it's a closed minded statement. And I don't mean that as like a knock to the guy, but it is, it's, it's being, it's being um, not receptive because now you're looking at how am I different than this person? Why does what he's saying not apply to me? And, and I, I so let's take it from that perspective. And so I may have question, taken it out of context. then, so I apologize if that's not how he meant it. That's well, he might've meant it. it that way. You yeah, can't tell may, him I right. In, you that know? was my perception, but that may not have been his intent yet. Perception trumps intent, but anyway. But, so, but the question is then is uh, in, in the regard to that comment, you know, uh, does a bigger guy need more gear? You know, then to a, a guy who's going to be bigger is going to need more medication. You know, guy who's going to be a guy who's going to hold three hundred pounds of muscle is probably going to need more gear than a guy who holds two hundred and twelve pounds of muscle. Well, I think John will agree with this too, and. It's much easier to retain muscle than it is to put on muscle. Which so is John started said. out as a yeah. So as John started as a middleweight, so he was one seventy five or roughly about there, right? Yeah. And now he's at two twelve. So how much is that, right? Of of muscle gain. Um, so to get to that point, yeah, he probably used a little bit significant doses, and he admits that. And now he's at a place where he's come to the realization he's wise, he's mature. And now he's, whereas most people wouldn't be able to do that and sit back and say, hey, mm -hmm. I can play with some stuff and, you know, be able to manipulate my look as, with less usage of gear, right? Whereas a lot of guys would still continue to sort of keep the same dosage because once you're at that level, you can't go back, right? Because how many guys have yeah, heard that's say, true. Well, well, this is my peak and I can only go up from here, which is yeah. retarded. <laughs> um, yeah. But John figured that out because he's a smart guy. So 
you know what I mean? Now he's at a point where he can sort of manage that because he's got to the point of where he's at. And it's not like he put on any less muscle than an open guy. He's just five, five. Yeah. <laughs> so for him to be 212 pounds is extremely muscular. Right. <laughs> that you know what I mean? It'd be like the well. same. He's probably more muscular than me and I'm five ten at 245. So hmm. it'd be like relative to me being like 255. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's a lot of variables in there other than just the obvious of the size and, you know, the height and scale weight. You know, how long has the guy who's questioning or asking the question about John's dosing, how long has he been training? How long has he been doing gear? How receptive is he, is, is he to gear? There's there's a lot of variables in there that that we just we don't know what they are. I don't think you can make a black and white across the board statement and say that, well, because someone is bigger, they need more gear. I just don't. That's like saying, well, okay. You know, my NFL guy would come to me in the off season at 360 pounds and he needs to be on X amount of calories. That guy would have to run calories that seriously, some figure women would blow him out of the water. And if he did the calories of the figure girl, he wouldn't lose weight and he wouldn't get leaner. So that went against all formulas that have ever been created from a, calorie count macro count standpoint and would have failed miserably so that's just one example of many that think about i bet i guarantee you keon pearson is probably on like baby doses compared to most people and look at the kid you know what i mean he's just like he could blow up if he wanted to and he's not even trying you know what i mean so i don't think necessarily the size or the height of the person is like uh, a good measurement i guess you know yeah, yeah, I'd agree. And, and so I guess we're talking about genetics to an extent. But I, I, I wanted yeah. to pose those things because I think that they were legit questions that came up, whether maybe yeah. people were posting them because they wanted to kind of like, you know, point well, out what they thought was a flaw in the show or the John's logic or the message. I don't know. But the reality is, is whatever it was, they were definitely it, it challenged a couple people and for the most part of course everybody loved the podcast like we got a ton of really great feedback and i appreciate by the way all you guys who gave us great feedback on it but there were a couple people that were challenged by that idea and i thought well, well why don't we just dig into that a little bit further you know but it well, is going to be challenging because the internet itself they don't like to accept that someone who is big and someone who is a pro is not on a lot of shit. Now, it doesn't mean that the people who commented specifically on, you know, about on this show about John are doing that, but I can't help but to assume that that's because that's what happens a large majority of the time. He can't, he has to be taking more shit. It's this very simple and I'm, I'm simplifying it too much. I understand that, but He's just so much bigger than me. He's got to be on a ton of shit. That is the mentality the large majority of the time for people who don't understand and have a long history with gear and training and how everything fits together and how everything works. So that's probably why I assume that the comment was negative to begin with, which isn't fair because that may not have been how it was, how it was meant. It could have been, and it still could be, but that's the mentality of a lot of, they don't want to see someone like John on low amounts of gear. They don't want to hear that Nate is, isn't running very much or Phil Heath used to run retardedly low doses or my 212 guy and the thing well, shit that he's on it. They would be like, that's a fucking lie. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's try to give them something positive. What, how can they challenge themselves? I mean, how can they challenge themselves to try to, to try to use less if they're in a, cause, cause I genuinely believe there are people out there who are like, well, fuck, I'm not that guy. I can't do that. I got to push two grams plus every cycle. 
how do you go about how do you go about making the progress while not doing that what would be what would be some suggestions you guys could throw out there I'd be a dick and say that if they already believe that then they're not going to they're not going to take that advice if they would take the advice I'd say you got to do and it's so cliche they're going to be if they listen to what I'm going to say in about 2 seconds they'll be like oh course maximize the training lock the nutrition and make sure that your recovery is there if you're not growing on trt you're not going to probably grow all that great you should be growing when you're on trt in between cycles shit like that and not just when you're on cycle things need to be optimized i would imagine that the large majority of people who are looking at this from a gear standpoint are not optimizing the most basic of components that need to be optimized before they're thinking about having more gear but again what i just said went in one ear and out the other ear for 90 percent of the people who think that way well hold on hold on just a minute if you are that person and you're watching <laughs> I, I mean seriously stop message and skip and tell him he's a dick Message. You don't understand. You just skip. What the fuck do you know? Go to teamskip.com and you can <laughs> hire him for coach. No, for real, what I was going to say, though, is that I feel like that training is something that always evolves. And if you were to approach me 10 years ago, uh, seven years ago, like 2013, that'd be nine years ago now. Yeah, nine years ago. If you were to ask me, like, do you have your training absolutely dialed in? I would have told you, absolutely, I do. There's no question in my mind. But guess what? I've learned a lot since. <laughs> since that time and it i I think that we need to be my thought would be that we need to be open-minded enough to accept that although we think we have it figured out that there is going to be more to learn that maybe maybe you you might not have it as dialed in as you believe you've got it in dialed in as best as you can right now but maybe there's more pieces to the puzzle you haven't gotten yet that'd be that's why you and i work together so well because anybody who thinks i'm an asshole you you come across it's like good cop bad cop and you (laughs) give the more positive spin on it where i'm just like fuck it you're not gonna listen to me anyway i don't give a shit what you think and you're like well well i want to look at it this way i want to give people something that they can work with instead of that's great you know what i mean because i do think it would be easy to have this conversation and just end it with like this dark message of like you're fucked Good night. It's like, well, okay, what can we provide to them that could be of benefit? And maybe that's the, maybe to me, that's at least a, a, a possibility. Sure. You gonna say something, Nate? Uh, I was just, I was just listening to you guys. Cause it's, uh, it's hard to, it's hard to say, you know what I mean? But I, I will say, like you were saying, I could, I think a lot of people can relate to that message is, you know, if I look back five years from, you know, back, I'm like, yeah, I had it all figured out. You know, I'm training as hard as I can, you know, all, all the boxes are checked, but now looking back on it, you know, I've, I've progressed and made so many different changes to my training and stuff like that. Even the last year, looking back, you know, was my legs, I, I've made a lot of progress in my legs, which are a weakness and I'm training with less weight. So common sense wise would say, oh, that's not possible. You know what I mean? But everything, I went back to the drawing board and said, okay, what am I doing wrong? And where, how can I, you know, correct that? And, you know, so I, I went and fixed some, some of my uh, form, my range of motion, my frequency, you know, little things like that. Yes, I trained with less weight, but my response was much better. You know what I mean? So I think sometimes, you know, um, trying to go back to the drawing board and figure that kind of stuff out. Because sometimes bodybuilding isn't just, you know, so linear or X, Y, and Z. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. I go so far as to say that if you quit progressing for any length of time, you've quit learning, you've quit listening to your body's feedback, and you, in a sense, have kind of given up as far as digging in and analyzing and assessing how you can get better. And I can say that because I have mediocre genetics at best, and I'm 52 years old, been doing it for almost 40 years, and even I am still progressing, though nothing major like I was in earlier years, because I have not quit trying to optimize things. And if I'm still doing that after 37 years of training and you, you know, the person listening is, has been training for five or maybe eight or six or three, then what does that say? You see a lot of people in the gym. You guys know them. You see them every day. The regulars, people in there all the time. They don't look any different than they did two or three years ago. They don't. They literally sometimes look exactly the same. No fault to them. I mean, if people want to go in and train and look, that's cool. But those people can't complain about not progressing or talk about gear and what the gear is when they're probably almost certainly not looking and picking apart and analyzing and assessing why they're not getting better. Yeah. Right. And how many guys have, have you had? Genetics. <laughs> Fucking A. Well, how many, how many guys have you had come up to you and say, oh, man, like I really want to bring up this body part or change my training or this and that. And then you tell them what to do and then they don't do it. Or they so don't I don't even think they ask about training. It's always about gear, isn't yeah. it? Like, what can I do? How can I optimize my training? Uh, what should I be doing with my diet to grow more and get bigger? Because I haven't grown it. No, they're asking about compounds. <laughs> so, I mean, what, is, what does that tell you? The large majority, very, very large majority. I can't remember the last time someone asked me specifically, how can I make my training better? Because I'm, I'm stagnant. I'm not growing right now. Uh, Skip, what do you think of meant? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that it comes down to change and change is one of the hardest things I think for human beings to do. I know that it's difficult when you when you're used to doing what you're doing to say, hey, maybe Monday isn't going to be National Chest Day anymore. You're going to have to rotate your workouts or something like, like that's it's a lot. I can tell you that I've struggled with change in my life, so sure. I get it. Well, let's wrap it here, guys. Uh, I hope that we've helped some people, you know, I hope that maybe somebody out there we'll get something out of this and i appreciate you gentlemen as well as our audience our live audience here hanging out with us uh on this easter uh sunday night he has risen that's right happy easter guys happy go over to uh time. go to it's team skip ramadan yeah half time about halfway through half time is that like they yeah, have time for ramadan oh. i know there may be a christian or two is there a break they get ramadan, like a but... few day break now What's half that? Time? Do half time they get like a break, like a couple yeah, days Yeah, not off? a break, but it's no? not halfway through. <laughs> uh, yeah, go to teamskip.com. You can reach out to Skip over there. Check out Nate over on Instagram. I'll have uh, his link and Team Skip down below. You guys check that out. And of course, you can reach me at McNallyDiets at gmail.com. We're all available for coaching. Check out our sponsors, truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK and check out supplementsource.ca. And if you know anything about Amino Asylum, use our code THINK over there. All right, guys, we appreciate having you. We'll see you soon.